0: I know we just had corporate worship, but can we begin to say something to our God? Come on, begin to love on him. Tell him how much you love him. We thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving us, God, before we loved you. Come on, begin to tell him how much you love him. God, you are worthy and worthy to be praised. Matter of fact, God, we've come across a lot of people. And we can truly say, God, there's none like you. God, you found us in our lowest moments. And God, for that, we say thank you. That your love endures forever. Thank you, God, that your love endures forever. Even when we mess up, God, your love endures. God, when we miss the mark, God, your love endures. So God on this morning collectively we say thank you. We honor you in this place and every believer that believe give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Want us to go to our Bibles and go to first John chapter one. I'm gonna look at verse seven C through nine. First John chapter one been on this series entitled forgiven freedom from the shame of sin I want to continue in that vein this morning if you don't have your Bibles it should be on your screens the Bible reasons "Thus, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin Somebody say all sin If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here's the good news to me. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, somebody say, from all unrighteousness. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You may be seated in the, in, in the presence of the Lord. I want to minister from this subject. Forgiveness is accessible to us all. It's accessible. Somebody say it's accessible. I, I, I started this sermon series uh, entitled Why Forgiveness is the Reason for It All. And then on last week, I said why forgiveness is necessary for us all and i believe one of the things when we understand that forgiveness is necessary many times we will not we will negate that forgiveness is also accessible to us because we believe we've done so wrong that some of our acts of sin are so egregious that forgiveness is not accessible to me somebody say it's accessible to me Cartes. i want to just thank you for your sacrifice on this morning Cartes came at the last minute, so grateful for his gift and his service to the Lord's house. Our sin that is remembered will cause our shame to remain. If if God holds our sin against us, our shame will always remain. And here is one of the reasons why the enemy is relentless in his efforts to have you believe that some works of your flesh God will never forget. I don't know about anybody else, but the enemy wants you to believe that. He wants you to believe that there's some works of your flesh that God will never forget. He wants you to believe that there's some acts of unrighteousness that you did. Watch this, that God will always remember. Somebody say the devil is alive. And there are times where you have missed the mark. And he wants you to believe that it will always remain on the mind of God. That's what the enemy tries to get us to do. This is why it's so difficult when we find ourselves in sin, when we do acts of unrighteousness, when we miss the mark. We believe that God will will always remain on the mind of God. And this is why shame will always follow the believer that believes that God never forgets our sin. But somebody say the devil is alive. I, I need y'all to catch this or shame will always hold you hostage because the desire of the enemy is to have you believe that God will always hold your sin against you. And if you believe that God will always hold your sin against you, shame will always hold you hostage. Oh, yes. I hope somebody is hearing me this morning. But despite the attempts of the enemy, the new living translation of Hebrews eight twelve says this. Notice what the Bible says. And I will forgive their wickedness. And here's the good news. And I will never, somebody say never, Never. again remember their sins. That's good news to me, y'all. Because there's some stuff that we don't even want to talk about that we've done. But the good news is that God will never again remember. This means the Lord's forgiveness not only removes shame of our sin, but it also removes the remembrance of our sin. And here's the good news. Men might remember your sin, but God does not. Did y'all catch what I just said? And many of us are, getting, are walking around with shame because men remember our sin. But the greater news is they can't forgive my sin. And it does not matter when God does not remember my sin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good news to me. I don't know about nobody else. But that's good news right there. Even more, this text reveals that forgiveness is available. But I need us to understand something because y'all may be like, yeah, Pastor Keith, that sounds good. And I know it it may be hard to fathom, but it's important to note that the enemy does not attempt to refute the availability of forgiveness. He attempts to refute, watch this, the accessibility of forgiveness. Somebody say, there's a difference. There's a difference between availability and accessibility. I need y'all to know that and if somebody don't believe me, somebody say, ask your ancestors. Yeah, it's, there's a difference between availability and accessibility. Freedom was available to our ancestors, but it wasn't accessible to all rights were available during the time of our ancestors, but it was not accessible to all. And some privileges were available um, during the time of our ancestors, but it was not it was not accessible to all. And as it was for our ancestors, the enemy wants you to believe. Watch this, likewise for us, that something might be available, but it, but it's not accessible. But here's the good news concerning forgiveness. Somebody say, it's accessible to me. The enemy desires for some of us to be exempt for, from forgiveness so that our shame might be e- eternal. And watch this, when forgiveness seems out of reach, Well, I feel like, is too far for me I'm too far gone your shame will always remain because I'll never seek forgiveness when I believe forgiveness is out of reach and the enemy wants you to believe that because of what you've done because of what's on your life that forgiveness is out of reach Ooh, that's a sad tragedy y'all that something might be available but not accessible to me but here's the good news The Lord's forgiveness is reminding of us of its character in scripture concerning this. The Bible says that the Lord covers all of our sin. Somebody say all. We find that in Psalm 85 and 2. The Lord has compassion on all of our sin. You know, even when folk don't have compassion on what I've done, God still has compassion. Oh, that's good news, y'all. That's Psalm 86 and 5. And then the Bible even says that the Lord cleanses us, somebody say, from all. All of our sin. That's 1 John 1 and 9. Right there, that should make somebody happy. Because many of us are still looking back at our history. And because we can't let go of our history, shame still has a hold on us. And God says, all. I'll cover all. I'll have compassion on all. I'll cleanse you of somebody. Say, all. That's good news. That, 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 that this forgiveness is not only available, but this means the Lord's forgiveness is accessible. And as it is for our sins, so it is for our shame. Oh, that's good news. That means not only concerning our sin, God says, I'll cover your shame, I'll have compassion on your shame, and I'll cleanse you of the residue of shame. All because forgiveness is accessible. Therefore, if it's our desire to have freedom from shame, we can't simply rejoice in the availability of forgiveness, but we need revelation in terms to this access to forgiveness. Y'all heard what I just said? Because many of us in the church has, uh, has taught us to believe that only some folk are eligible for forgiveness. So we don't just need to rejoice that somebody is available to some, but I need to have revelation about how do I access this forgiveness? Someone say, how do I access it? In other words, we need to know why forgiveness is accessible to all so that we can have freedom to accept the Lord's forgiveness because you won't accept his forgiveness until you realize it's accessible to you. Because if the enemy can get you to believe that forgiveness is unaccessible, You will never go after forgiveness. And when we can't get a hold of forgiveness, shame will hold us hostage. But here's the good news. I believe our foundational text gives us a level of revelation as to why forgiveness is accessible to us Um, so that shame won't have a hold on us and keep us hostage. I need us to understand something about our text. It's important to note that the Apostle John pens this epistle in which we find our foundational text. And he opens up prior to our foundational scripture of focus by reminding us of this. He says that this revelation was experiential. Uh, we see these words um, that heard, seen, looked upon, handled. In other words, um, John is not speaking of a forgiveness that he knew nothing about. Somebody say it was a first-hand account. So in other words, John says, I've I've, I've touched forgiveness. I've been a recipient of forgiveness. It was an experiential um, um, thing in my life. So he said, I've heard, I've seen, I've looked, I've handled. But not only was this revelation concerning um, forgiveness experiential, this revelation was a corporate encounter. That's good news to me. It says that we have. It says our eyes. It says our hands. In other words, other believers could attest to this revelation revelation so you know how some folk can say god did something for me and i can and other folk can't relate to that some somebody say we can all relate so not only was it experiential this forgiveness was tangible it's nothing like having a tangible experience with god but it's a whole other thing to have a in a corporate encounter with god so in other words this was just not john's account but somebody say it was corporate and then he reminds us in our foundational text that this revelation is entitled to us all. That's good news. Uh, the Bible says in verse number three that, that which we have seen, heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Some folk will walk in the experiences of God and they'll act like they're so deep, like I'm the only one eligible for it. But John says, watch this, that I've, I've experienced forgiveness. This experience was a corporate encounter, and I also want you to walk in the same level of experience that I had as well. In other words, what John was saying is that it's accessible, somebody say, to us all. all. Now that's good news, that means we have no excuse to believe that we're not accessible to God's forgiveness. And some of that, even that right there, we should, I should just be able to say amen and we can be done right there. But many of us, we still need a little bit more. So I'm gonna, somebody say, I'm going to give you a little bit more. I'm going to give you a little bit more. Because some of y'all are still walking around with shame. Therefore, my prayer this morning is that we gain revelation as to why forgiveness is accessible to us all. So hear this. Let's examine our text. I want us to look at verse number 7. See again. Notice what the Bible says. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin here's the good news that, that it is his blood this. allows none of us to be in bondage to shame somebody say because of his blood because of his blood I don't have to be in bondage to shame and this is why the latter portion of the New Living Translation of Hebrews 9 says this for without the shedding of blood There can be no forgiveness. Some version says there could be no forgiveness or remission of sin. This means his blood was necessary for our forgiveness. Somebody say his sacrifice. Because somebody has to pay the wages and weight of sin. And the good news is that Jesus paid that price. And not just for some of us. Somebody say for all of us. Now that's good news. And watch this. The reason that many of us still walk in a level of shame. Because we don't believe God paid the price for us. But I've got to know that it was prayed. Watch this for all of us. Someone say for all of us. Oh, yeah, I don't care. I know you go to the holiness church. I know you go to the apostolic church. I know you may think I'm not as saved as you might be. But Jesus paid for my sins. This is why Jesus himself reminds us with these words in Matthew 26 and 28. Notice what he says. He says, "For this is my blood. This is when we we do communion. This is really what Jesus is trying to tell us of the new covenant, for which shed, which is shed for many. Somebody say many. many, for the remission of sin. And I wanna I wanna deal with that word many, because here's one of the things that we gotta understand about the original text in which the Bible was written. Uh, the original text was the Greek and the Hebrew, and I need you to understand that that the English language is fails short in comparison to the Greek and the Hebrew uh, in other words the English language has very few um very much fewer words than the Greek and the Hebrew so when when it's translated in the English language uh, with, uh many translators have trouble trying to find the right words to plug in for the text y'all stand with me Uh, So the Greek translation of this word many in the text is the Greek word um, polos. And it means without number. So when he says many, somebody say without number. Uh, In other words, he means multitude. In other words, somebody say unable to count. Uh, It's like the saying that you see at the beach is too numerous to count. And even more, it means somebody say all it's his blood that causes us not to be in bondage to both sin and shame and it was shed for us all I know and I said this on last week I know your sin may not look like my sin I know you may talk about my sin more than they talk about your sin but he shed his blood for yours and mine too now that and what we have to do is not beat us up Concerning our own sin and try to categorize sin and try to rank sin because as soon as you begin to do that You believe your sin is at a level that his blood cannot reach. But I love how the saints of old says it reaches to the lowest valley and it reaches washes, To the highest mountain so no matter where I find myself in this place called sin Somebody say his blood can reach it Oh, that's good news to me. Uh, For those that beat themselves up concerning their sin, and it's hard for you to believe that his blood was shed for you too. It's important to know that his blood was shed, watch this, while we were in sin. This is how you can know that his blood can reach you. He shed it, not not before you sinned. Somebody say, while I was in sin. I need us to see something in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 this is what the Bible says but God demonstrates oh that word there alone is good news to me because that means that his love is ongoing somebody say he demonstrates his, his own love towards us and that while we were still somebody say still sinners Christ died for us so in other words many of us watch this God says the reason I need you to know that my blood was shed for your sins too is because you watch this you were eligible for forgiveness even while you were in sin now that's good news to me this is why Jesus could extend compassion to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery the bible says that she was caught in the act Somebody say in the act if we were caught in the act and in some stuff, we we would not come back to church. somebody say in the act. Yeah. So watch this. God says that even while you were in sin, you were still eligible for forgiveness. Yeah. Oh, that's good news to me. Some of us come out of sin believing that God won't forgive us. Some of us are still struggling with sin believing that God won't forgive us. But God says that I've extended this love towards you. Someone say while I was in sin. Oh, yeah. That means, watch this, while you're still working out sin, God still is going to extend his forgiveness towards you. And many of us struggle with the fact, I know Mother Alvaro, I ain't going to trip. She's saying my shoe untied. But even in the very act of sin, while we're still trying to work out our stuff, and many of us, this is why we don't want to do church, because we like to say, I'm still getting... My life together. I don't know if a God is going to receive me because I'm dealing with some stuff that I know they're still dealing with in the world. But the good news is somebody say, wow, I was still in sin. His forgiveness is accessible. That's good news to me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Thomas Schumer mother. I don't want to trip. I'm a, I don't want to trip. I know this is live, but I don't going to be like other churches they got armor bearers who taking off their shoes no I can tie my own shoe listen listen hear hear this although this. although his sacrifice because even that may not be enough for us although his sacrifice on the cross made forgiveness available to us all that not the, the sacrifice is not what makes forgiveness accessible to us all catch that in other words it's his covenant somebody say covenant And if you're not in covenant with him, then that forgiveness is not, watch this, accessible. Whoo, I've gotta be, somebody say, be in covenant. In other words, I'm gonna ask your neighbor, are you saved? Because if you're saved, watch this, you don't have to live in shame. And I think the, the saddest reality is you got saved folk that are living in shame. Somebody say, it's my inheritance. It's my inheritance not to live in shame. Now, that's good news to me. Some of us have an inheritance that's been laid up for us. And God says, the only thing that you got to do to receive this inheritance is somebody say, get saved. saved. Woo! that's good news to me. And watch this. I said this already that you can be saved and still struggling with sin. Now, that's good news to me, too. So if you struggle with shame and sin, you may need to question your covenant with him. Are you saved? Someone say, are you saved? Somebody might be saying, how do you know? How do I know? You, I love that you prayed this, um, MIT Charlotte, on last Sunday. The Bible says, there, there is therefore now. Somebody say, right now. Right now. Yeah. That, right now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8 and 1. That means that as long as I'm in covenant with him, I ain't got to condemn myself. I know that I messed up, but I'm going to get back up like I never messed up. Woo. That's good news. And this is how the enemy does not win that I can mess up and get up like I ain't never messed up because there is no condemnation. In other words, God doesn't condemn me. So why am I? Why am I condemning myself when God don't? Why am I worrying about folk that are trying to condemn me when God don't? That means when we're in victory or in covenant with Christ, somebody say saved. That despite the verdict, we still have the victory. Now that's good news. Because here's what the enemy wants you to believe. And this is why a lot of us don't walk in the full promises of God. Because we believe despite the verdict that we don't have the victory. But as long as I'm saved, somebody say as long as I'm saved. I've still got the victory. Yeah, that's good news to me that I can mess up and I can still ask God um, to forgive me of all of my sins that I can mess up and I can still walk in the joy and the fullness of God that I can mess up and still watch this have be full of peace because despite the verdict, somebody say I've got the victory. And listen, I, I'm not saying that it ain't nothing that ain't in the text. Someone say it's in the book. It's in the book because watch this. He paid that means although we might be proven guilty we don't have to walk around with guilt Jesus says I know you're guilty but you do not have to walk around with guilt here's why for he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness God says when you're in covenant with me and watch this the reason why this is so significant why as long as we walk with god we walk in a level of victory and, more, and better yet why we walk with christ because when washes when god looks upon those that are in covenant with christ he doesn't see our sin he sees our, his son did y'all catch what i just said he doesn't see our sin he sees somebody say his son that's why I need, that's why I, I want to stay close to Jesus because as long as I stay close to Jesus God gonna see His son and not my sin. Now that's good news to me uh, there is no therefore no condemnation. that means right now that means watch this I know you're not gonna like this but shame has no authority in your life unless you allow it. Did y'all catch what I just said? We've got to know if shame is wrecking havoc on my life, I must have allowed it. Because he says, somebody say, there is no. no. And watch this. Somebody say, now. Right now, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if shame has authority over your life, you have allowed it. Because his blood still works, and the good news is that his blood was shed for us all. And it's not just The shedding of blood that makes us accessible to forgiveness. Somebody say it's covenant. As long as you can be show enough, show show enough, know that you saved and you saved for real. Somebody say "It's, it's it's all good after that. And this is why forgiveness and freedom from shame is accessible to all that come in covenant with Him. All right, that's a critical revelation. I know. You want to pray for some folk concerning their sin. And we do want to pray that they come out of sin, but we want to pray that they go to Christ. All right, because that's where the level of freedom is found. Somebody say, "In in Christ. All right, now let's look at verse number eight. The Bible says, if we say we have no sin, that's a whole bunch of church folk, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Shame will forever reside on the believer that is not sober minded. Somebody say, be sober minded. And somebody may be saying, what do I mean? You will always negate forgiveness until you realize you need forgiveness. Me and my wife are dealing with somebody right now who never think they gotta apologize for nothing. They'll they'll talk out of each side of their mouth, they'll do all kind of stuff to folk, and then they'll wait back until they feel like you've forgotten their egregious act, and then they'll pop right back up on the scene. Somebody say, the devil is a lie. Because if you negate that you need forgiveness, you'll never reach for forgiveness somebody say it's necessary it's necessary I don't care how long you've been saved forgiveness is necessary Uh, this is why the apostle John declares this if we have no sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves. and that's what the enemy watch this he's the father of lies so many of us think we're so high that we've done so many things for God that we don't need forgiveness that I'm just going to keep on mosey on that I don't do nothing wrong and it's a trick of the enemy somebody say it's a trick of the enemy He wants you to be in it for forgiveness to be inaccessible to you. In other words, if we have no clarity concerning our condition, forgiveness may be available, but it will never be accessible. I want to make sure that I always have a sober mind concerning my condition in God, that I know that I'm always in need of forgiveness. Somebody say, I'm always in need, I'm always in need of forgiveness. Notice why Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2 verse 17. He says, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this is what churches mess themselves up. We sit in, in, in reserved seats for those who call themselves righteous., right. listen, I need to be in the seat that says the chief of sinners. Because when I come to church, I don't come to be seen. I come to see God. I always want to find myself in a position where God knows that I need him. And he says he's only looking for those who need a physician. Listen, sometimes I go to churches and they want to sit me in special seats. No, let me sit right here. I don't need no special seat. Is this seat reserved for those who need a physician. I know I'm pre- preaching, but I need a physician as well. And we've got seats lifted up where it looks like we don't need a physician. Somebody say the devil is alive. And this is why it's so critical for people not to put preachers on pedestals. Because watch this, we lift them up and then we lift them up to such a degree that they think that they no longer need a physician. And we look at them as though they do not need a physician. But somebody say, check your condition. condition. Ooh, gotta check your condition. If I ever put a seat up there, y'all better sit me down. I'm being real. Y'all think it's funny. This means, watch this. God's healing power is only accessible to those who know they need help. Power. Somebody say, power. Power. God says. If you really want my power, declare to yourself that you need some help. It's not the folk that just say, I've seen God in the third heavens. No, God, I need your help. I don't care how many victories I have in you, God. I need your help. The folk that really walk in power can declare that they need God's help. Listen, one of the things that I love about Mother Alvarez, you'll never know that she had to deal with so many surgeries. There's so many bouts of cancer because even at the sign of something that may not be right, she calls her pastor saying, pastor, I need some help. She said, pastor, I've been praying. I know that God is going to help me. And the only reason she's still standing here as a result of God's power is because she declared, I needed help. Tell you, I need some help. Oh, I need some help. I need some help. I was this weekend. I was just telling the Lord, I need you to help me, help me, help me, help me. Because the reality is, you will never get help until you know you need help. You won't go for forgiveness until you know you need it. And here's the dangerous thing about shame and sin. Somebody say it's dangerous. Dangerous. Is that it will have you believing that you can help yourself. Sin and shame will always have you believing that you can help yourself. So you come in church looking like you got it together when you really trying to say I can help myself. I don't need nobody to know, I don't need God to know because I can help myself. Somebody say that's dangerous. Woo, that's that's real dangerous. And that's that's what shame wants you to believe. And this is why most of us don't know about another shame until it's too late. Y'all know that? Folk that take themselves out, we didn't know about it until it's too late because they were so well put together because shame wanted you to believe that you could help yourself. I'll tell you, neighbor, don't help yourself. Because if not, watch this. Uh, we don't know about another sin until it's too late. This is why some believers try to drink their way out of shame until they're dead. Somebody say, too late. Yeah. They try to dress up their sin until they're, de- they're deep in sin. Somebody say, that's too late. Yeah. And they even try to press their way through shame until the pressure to pretend becomes too much. Someone say, that's too late. Some of us just need to tell ourselves we need his help before shame and sin take us out. Listen, I know I may be unorthodox as a pastor and a preacher because my wife say I say too much. But really what I'm saying is I need his help. I know I might be preaching and teaching, but I need his help. I know I may be encouraging some folks, but I need his help. Tell your neighbor you need his help. And many of us, here's Here's what the enemy would cause you to do. Because you're so gifted, because you touch so many lives, because you encourage so many people, you begin to think that you don't need no help. And somebody say, until it's too late. until it's too late. I'm gonna tell y'all, I need some help. I don't wanna be around here looking like a preacher, got it all together and then find myself six feet under. All I had to say is that I needed some help. Because if not, shame and sin will have us like Tamar in the beginning portion of 2nd Samuel chapter 13 verse 13. Here's what the enemy wants you to believe. When you're dealing with shame and dealing with sin, this is what my said, and I, where could I take my shame? Notice this, this is the daughter of the king. Uh, her father had many great victories. She said, if you do this thing to me, where can I take my shame? Because both shame and sin wants you to believe that you're in such a hard place that you are beyond the place of hell. Did y'all catch what I just said? Sin and shame want you to believe that you're in such a hard place that you're beyond the place of help. But someone say, I'm always available for help. Oh, God, God wants to help me. Oh, that's good news. Because watch this, help is only accessible when we can be honest about our condition. Help is only accessible to the degree in which you can be honest about your condition somebody say I gotta be honest this is why we must constantly examine ourselves and 2nd Corinthians 13 5 reminds us of that because our inability to search and see the areas in our lives where sin and shame hide it will cause us to miss out on our healing somebody say forgiveness and I, I need you to understand something about shame and sin it can be so subtle shame is the reason why many of us don't wanna step out on faith concerning that job. Yeah, I still wanna say that's really shame. For, for many of us, the reason when somebody makes an advance at us and we wanna be married and we, we act like no, shame will tell you, no, don't talk to them. And you never stepped out on faith. It can be so subtle. And God said, just be honest about your condition. And somebody say, my help is on the way. I don't know if y'all watch Country Wayne, but he got a comedian. He say help is on the way. It really is on the way when you can be somebody say honest. Honest. Here's a word of wisdom. I need you to hear me and hear me good. Our inability to have clarity concerning our condition is really a sign of pride. Somebody say it's pride." pride. And when pride is present in our lives, we are subject to forever remain in prison to sin and shame. And this is why Romans 12:3 admonishes us with these words. Notice what the Bible says. And not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, somebody say soberly. Sometimes you gotta get around folk that's gonna make you think soberly. You know, that's why it's good to have grandmas in your life because they can keep you off your high horse. I don't know who you think you are talking to because you know you need to sit down somebody, say somewhere. That's why I just love the mothers of old. We just gotta tell the same something because we start thinking so highly of ourselves. Uh, This means for some sin and shame may only still be present in our lives because we fail to put down our pride. We think of ourselves without sober judgment. This is why our foundational text speaks of those words um, um, without sober judgment. In other words, somebody say clarity. And hear this. That means he says that the truth is not in them. I think that's so critical. The Bible says, In our foundational text that the truth, if you don't look at yourself with a sober mind, the truth is not in us. And hear this. Maybe the reason that you're held hostage to shame is because the truth ain't in you. Because watch this. The Bible says the truth will make you free. So all he's saying is if you can be honest with yourself, you can get yourself out of hostage to shame and sin. Someone say just by the truth. Now, that's good news. Ain't ain't nobody got to lay hands on me. Ain't nobody got to throw a whole bunch of oil on me because I look good today. All I got to do, somebody say, is be truthful. See, you ain't got to do all that work. The truth will make you free. Now, that's good news to me, y'all. This is why I say, somebody say, let every man examine himself. For some of us, how we look at ourselves will unlock our liberty to sin and shame. Oh, this is why forgiveness and freedom from shame is accessible to all who have clarity. Somebody say, I need a sober mind. A sober mind. So I'm almost done, y'all. I've got to be saved. Now, that's good news. And I've got to be sober. Somebody say, I've got to be sober. Be sober. And, then, and then this forgiveness is accessible to me. Now, let's look at verse number nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Spiritual chains are released at the place of confession. Did y'all catch what I just said? Spiritual chains are released at the place of confession. And this is why in the natural, think about this in the natural, why the altar, the, the, the altar, we don't have altar calls no more. The pandemic and shift that nobody don't want to have altar calls, but it can be one of the places of one's most intense breakthroughs. Why? Because it's at the place of confession. Really, what I'm saying when the preacher preaches a message, and we all know what they're coming up here for. Somebody say, We all know. We all know. It's, this is why break, they, they, they say, I don't care what nobody says. I don't care who sees me. I don't care what people think about me. I know I'm in need of help, and I'm going to confess it at this place. This is why a lot of folk break down. I was at the altar on Thursday night, y'all, just not just coming all out my nose. Somebody say on Facebook Live, <laughs> I know. I said, Lord, look at me. Somebody help me out but it, but but the altar is the place i'm gonna say of confession and he realized one of the reasons why the enemy wants a believer to be gripped with fear by the altar call nobody wants to come to the altar nobody wants to or this. even when another believer asks them how they're doing we become easily gripped with fear because i don't want to be honest someone say i don't want to be honest because the enemy knows that his chains don't have power on our lives at the point of confession The enemy does not want us to confess because when we confess, his chains have no power. Someone say, I'm giving him too much power. That means you are giving him too much power because you do not want to confess. Someone say, confess, confess. And this is why forgiveness and freedom from shame is accessible to all. Watch this. Y'all don't like that this morning. Somebody say, all that confess. Notice our foundational text. The Bible says if if someone say if we confess our sins he then is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin so that means the prerequisite for God moving in our lives concerning sin and shame is at the place where we open up our mouth so y'all I don't want that to go over your head that's that's somebody say that's a prerequisite we want God to move we want God to lift our shame we want God to lift our sin and God is saying I need you to open up your mouth somebody say, open up your mouth. And if you don't confess to nobody, say, somebody confess to God. But hear this when you really have confessed to God, it's easily to confess to other folk. Did y'all hear what I just said? This is why I can tell y'all X, Y, and Z about my past because I've already confessed it to God. And the people that struggle with confessing to other people are those that have yet to confess to God. Because watch this. When I confess to God, God already deal with it. So there's nothing you can do about it. Now, that's good news to me. I don't know about nobody else. There's nothing you can do about it when I've already confessed it to God. So this is more than declaring we need help. We're declaring what we need our help for. Y'all see the difference? Somebody say it's a difference. It's more than saying I just need help. I've got to confess and let God know what I need help for. And for many of us, we are waiting on God to move, and God is waiting on us to open up our mouths. So I'm going to say, open up, our, open up your mouth. Watch this. Consider Proverbs 28:13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So not only does God move when we confess, he extends mercy. Because I think the trouble that we have with confessing is because we're not sure how God is going to move. We're not sure how God is going to look upon us. But God is reminding us that when you confess, don't worry about how I move. I'm going to move with mercy. Somebody say, that's love. Now that's good news. When you confess to other folk, you don't know how they're going to move. I know you done cheated on your wife and you don't know how she's going to move. But watch this. God will move. Somebody say, With mercy. Now, that's good news to me because there are consequences to our sin. Did y'all catch what I just said? There's going to be some consequences to our sin, so I know all of this sound real good, but she might leave you behind. But the good news is that God extends our say, mercy. Now, that's good news to me. This means not only does God move when we open our mouths, but he extends mercy. That's good news. This means he's kind towards us despite, watch this, what our shame and sin is. He's kind towards us. And one of the reasons why some believers don't open up their mouths concerning their sin and shame is because people, somebody say people, to include believers, somebody say believers, can be so mean. Some of us can be so nasty and so mean. And I've witnessed this, y'all. Somebody say from pastors. Pastors that can talk about folk behind their back. Folk that can say stuff and then smile and hug on them in their face. Somebody say church folk. And and so I'm not knocking any of us who find it difficult to open up our mouths. But I'm confessing not for you. I'm confessing to him. Somebody say to him. Because when I confess to him, he's going to send me. Somebody say mercy. mercy. Folk can be mean is all they can want to be. And watch this. Here's going to give you some liberty around this. No matter what you do, folk going to be mean. Yeah. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. No matter what you do, folk going to be mean. Yeah. So despite whatever you do, it don't matter. You can do it right. You can try to keep it covered up. Folk know how to be mean even when you being nice. Yeah. Somebody say, folk know how to be mean. Oh, Shirt folk know how to be mean. This all. Um, I don't get caught up in how mean folk is because folk gonna be mean. I don't care what you may even say. I'm trying to receive. I need God to move and I need his mercy. So if you know folk gonna still be mean, we don't know what folk may say. The reason I confess is because I need God to move. And when he does move, I need him to move. Somebody say with mercy. I hope that helps somebody. Don't worry about what they're going to say. Don't worry about how mean they can be. You're looking for God to move and God to move with his mercy. So here's a word of wisdom. If you fail to confess your sin, you may want to question your conviction. Did y'all hear what I just said? Because where there is conviction, confession is soon to follow. Somebody say, that's Bible. If it's hard for you to confess, I need to check the Holy Ghost that's in you. Because at some point in your walk with God, the Holy Ghost... Somebody say the Holy Ghost. I ain't saying the Spirit, I'm talking about the ghost. Huh? Because where there is conviction, confession is soon to follow. The Bible says, for godly sorrow produces, somebody say it produces repentance. In other words, when I'm convicted, I'm ready to confess. Ooh, somebody say, check the spirit in you. This is why hear this. We've got to be careful as we navigate this, this thing called life and that we go through seasons where sin and shame tries to attach to our lives, we've always got to make sure that we guard against our hearts being hardened. Did y'all hear what I just said? The world and life knows how to harden your heart. Because I've been and I've witnessed so many people be so nasty, be so mean, pastors do me kind of wrong, I harden my heart. And when I harden my heart, I never, I'm no longer eligible for conviction. And when I'm no longer eligible for conviction, I'll never have confession. And if I don't have confession, God don't move. And if I don't get God to move, I'll never receive somebody to say his mercy. So this is why, I, I, this is why the Bible says guard your heart. Somebody say guard it. Guard. We've got to be mindful of that. That people are going to be nasty, people are going to be mean, but God don't harden my heart. I'm going to encounter some stuff that's going to blow my mind. I was just talking to my wife about the young lady who was running and she got abducted and killed. Say all this daughter was doing was going to run. That kind of stuff can harden your heart. and make you feel like, God, what is up with you? But I never want to harden my heart. Somebody say, I never want to harden my heart. But I've got to guard it. And really what I had to tell my wife is that we live in a fallen just a sad reality. I look at my babies and I look at how innocent they are and I'm like, Lord, I know what my wife has been through. I know what I've been through and I don't want them to go through that. But realize what I gotta say is God, just keep your hand on them because we live in a fallen world. God, guard my heart and their heart as well because the chains of shame and sin fall off at the place of confession. Somebody say, open up your mouth. So this freedom from shame and sin is only accessible to those that confess. Somebody say confess. Okay. Hear this, I'm done, y'all. The good news concerning our forgiveness and freedom from shame is that not only is it available, but it's accessible. But somebody say there's prerequisites. Yes, yeah, it's prerequisite. It's accessible to all. But our ability to receive both our forgiveness and freedom is dependent upon our ability to have revelation concerning this level of forgiveness. Because if the enemy can get you to believe that forgiveness is not accessible, watch this, you'll never pursue it. And the problem is, is not that God does not want to move in the life of his people. They don't pursue what is accessible to them. Did y'all hear me? Alright, somebody say, this is why I need Revelation. I need revelation yet our foundational text reveals that forgiveness and freedom from shame is accessible to all who come in covenant with him and hear this God says he demonstrates that means this there's there's this present tense demonstration of his love Watch this to even those that are in sin somebody say in sin. in sin now that's good news to me y'all that that should help somebody Because as long as you're wrapped in flesh, you're going to struggle with your flesh. So God says, I can, your forgiveness is still available to those, watch this, who cause their flesh to fail them at times. That's good news. That's good news. Someone say, but I got to be saved. I got to be saved. And then I also need to be sober minded. Be careful of the praise and the applause. Be careful of those that love to serve. Those who have a heart to serve and, and to take care of people and do things for people and do the work of the Lord. You somebody say, I got to be careful. Because what it will have you believing is that you're so lifted up that you're sent here to help those and you don't need help yourself. Somebody say, I need some help. Need some help. So I've got to always be sober-minded concerning my condition. This is why I said the Bible says, let every man Somebody say, every man examine himself. And you be careful as a people not to lift others up in your lives. We all need help. Somebody say, we all need help. help. And then watch this to all those who confess their sin. The enemy knows at the point of confession, his chains have no power over your life. And here's the good news concerning our accessibility to forgiveness and freedom from shame found in our latter portion of the text. I'm going to be done watch what the text says and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in other words what does that mean I need us to understand that shame and sin wants to write a narrative concerning you did y'all hear what I just said whenever we sin and we fall into shame it wants to write a narrative about us that everybody will see but God says I can cleanse you from every narrative that it tried to write Somebody say, every narrative. Sin and shame attempts to create some opinions concerning your life that everybody can see. But God says, I can cleanse you. Somebody say, of all opinions. Oh, now this is helping somebody. And watch this: Sin and shame wants to leave a residue that you can never wipe off. But God says, I can cleanse you of uh, every residue. Somebody say, Every. God says that if we can find ourselves in a place where we can be in covenant with him, where we can watch this, think of ourselves with clarity, that we can confess. The problem with a lot of believers is we believe that despite what God does, I'm still gonna have that narrative on my life. That opinion is always gonna follow me. That this residue will never leave me, and this is why Tamar said, where can I take my shame? But God says, I can cleanse us, some say, from all. He has the ability to cleanse us of all that shame and sin attempted to do in our lives. Somebody say it's accessible to me. John said that I'm not just talking about something I heard. He says I'm talking about something I know. This is experiential. I'm not just talking about something that is only reserved for me because I was an apostle. Somebody say it was corporate. And then he says that we're all, some might say we're all entitled to this you got to believe that with your heart let us stand to our feet thank you god if you do not believe it's accessible you will not pursue it god help us to pursue your forgiveness i'm praying for your people god I believe God we're all saved so in other words God there's an inheritance that's been laid up for us but if we never go after it God we waste your inheritance God when we come in covenant with you we don't want your blood to be in vain watch this somebody who's unwilling to seek his forgiveness you're making his blood in vain somebody who's living with shame Is allowing Christ's blood to be in vain. Help us today, God, we pray. Thank you, God, for a saved people who will go after forgiveness, God, we pray. And God, I thank you, God, that we might be sober-minded. I pray for all of us, God, because I believe, God, you've sent us a people here in this house, God, who desire to help other folk. And we can help folks so much that we negate our own help but on this morning God we declare God help us today God let not shame and sin hold us hostage because our help can be on the way God when we declare that we need help let us examine our condition God continually consistently because sin and shame wants to hide in areas that forgiveness cannot find but we thank you God that it's accessible to those who are sober minded And I pray, God, for your people who are struggling with confessing. Help us, God, before we confess to a pastor, even in a Catholic context, to a priest. We don't need that, God, because we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. But, God, you've given us Christ who we can go to immediately, and we have access to him. I pray against the hardened hearts. God, the heart that does not want to confess I pray against it I pray against God every uh, experience of dealing with mean church folk that have hardened their hearts I pray God that we open up our mouth and we confess so that you can move and you can move with mercy and God let us not be dismayed when we confess that mean people know how to come on the scene God folk don't be mean but but God we're after your move and we're after your mercy. And I come against the narrative of shame and sin. I come against the opinion of shame and sin. I come against the residue of shame and sin and call somebody to know, God, that you can cleanse them from it all. For God, that we say thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Somebody give God a hand clap of prayer. may be seated in the presence of the Lord. M.I.T. Bree, I'm going to ask you to prepare yourself to come and take us further in the service, but at this moment I want to extend the opportunity for somebody who says I'm not in covenant with God. I want to be in covenant with him. If that's you, say I want to give my life to Christ. I did not know that forgiveness was accessible to me unless I was in covenant with him. If that's you, you can just lift your hands. I believe we're all saved. If that's somebody who's watching this morning, we want to be in covenant with God. I want to pray with you. Father, we thank you. Thank you God for the one who knows that they need you so that they can take hold of forgiveness. And God, in this moment, God, they declare, God, that they're a sinner in need of a savior. For your word declares all of sin and fallen short of your righteousness. That's what they're declaring on this morning, God. And they're declaring, God, that they've learned through the text this morning that Jesus' blood is the only thing that can save me. Believing in God that he died on the cross, that he took my sins with him, that he was laid in a grave, and he got up three days later. God, we believe that, that his blood was shed for us. And God, we say, God, because of his getting up power, he has all power in his hands. It only makes sense to allow him to lord of our lives. So, God, they're confessing that this morning. They're believing that this morning. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you, God, for the one that is now in covenant with you. And God, as your word declares, heaven rejoices when one comes. So let us rejoice with the one that has come. Give God a hand clap of praise. I'm confident that you didn't stumble upon this podcast by accident because God is sovereign. And whenever our sovereign God sends us a message for a reason, he wants us to respond. My prayer is that you respond by allowing the word to be planted in you so that it produces God's will for your life. Until next time, strive to not simply come to church, but to become the church.